1: Welcome back to the Cooking You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today I have my friend Greg Allison. Greg, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast, brother.
0: Thanks, Dave. Always good to be with you.
1: Yeah, it's always good to be with you too. Can you uh, just catch us up on what's happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project-wise, brother?
0: Uh, Just finished the semester of teaching, went really well. Uh, Next week, I have our 11th grandchild. He's going to be a boy, Lachlan William Allison. He's slated to be born. Uh, I'm working on a book called 40 Questions about Roman Catholicism, part of a series published by Kriegel. I'm helping out on the new international version uh, of the bible they're doing a new church history bible and so i'm writing some articles uh for them and uh, so that's that's some of the stuff i'm involved in most recently
1: yeah you're you stay definitely very busy very busy well can you tell us about this new book embodied living as whole people in a fractured world why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received
0: yeah, this the, the genesis of this book goes back uh, about twenty five years. I was seated in my office at Ben at the time at Western Seminary, and a student came in, and he started complaining about all these physical problems he was experiencing, and he was looking to me to provide something from the Word of God that would address. You know, his tiredness and his stomach problems and his lethargy and sleeplessness and excretory problems and all those kinds of things. And uh, I, and so I asked them just a series of simple questions like what he was eating and how about sleeping and resting and exercising. And it was like, nah, I'm a couch potato, right? I don't exercise. I got no time to that. The body's going to wear out anyway. It's going to be, you know, sloughed off at death. And so, and, and uh, I, I pointed out to him the fact that uh, his body was literally breaking down and that at a certain point, he's going to become no good for himself, his spouse, his family, the church he was preparing for, God. And I, I challenged him to think about his embodiment. And he didn't like that answer. And uh, and he kind of got up and left my office and I was in uh, at a really deep kind of crisis, like what do I do when I talk to people about their physicality, about their embodiment? And that launched me on, uh, well, I'm still studying it, a 25-year program of thinking about a theology of human embodiment. And so um, embodied, living as whole people in a fractured world, had that as its uh, genesis. And and the big idea here is that the proper state of human existence is embodiment, mm-hmm. that there, God did design another realm of beings, they're called angels, who are immaterial, but he created us human beings to be his embodied image bearers. And so we are to embrace not the fact that we have a body, but that we are embodied image bearers. And so a question that uh, I like to ask people, do they agree or disagree with this statement, I am my body? I am my body. And they go, oh, wait a second. I don't agree with that because I'm more than my body. And I go, yeah, but my question isn't, I'm only, the statement isn't, I'm only my body. It's, I am my body. Do you agree or disagree? So the whole book is exploring that affirmation, battling against Gnosticism, this view that the spirit or soul, the immaterial aspect of us, that's the most important part. And the material aspect, our body, is is bad inherently evil and i'm just saying that's not a biblical concept we're embodied image bearers
1: yeah we we have to see ourselves as whole people not just a something to produce content or um a career or money or something like that we we tend to segregate things as people even, we, we we as do Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we look at ourselves, we define ourselves in terms of what we do, right? And the roles that we play. Um, Yeah. And I think we need to view ourselves as whole people living in a fractured world. And and that wholeness is uh, an embodied wholeness.
1: Amen. You state early in the book that a theology of embodiment can help us uh, become more connected with God and his design for us. Can you expand on that for us, please?
0: So if God has created us as his embodied image bearers, right, then we properly relate to God as those embodied uh, and now redeemed image bearers. And so it, it produces a different approach to God. I'm not just concerned about uh, nourishing and uh, my, my soul and focusing on my spirit, whatever the immaterial aspect is. But but I'm presenting myself to God as a whole person. And I want his redemption to include not only my mind, my emotions, my will, my purposing, my motivations, but also my body. Uh, And so it's a whole person orientation to uh, developing our covenantal relationship with God. And, and there's obviously a community aspect to this too. We're embodied image bearers. We're in a community, the body of Christ, temple of the Holy Spirit, the church. And so there's that, that dimension as well.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really good. And we need each, each part of that. You know, we need, we need to understand ourselves as whole people in need of other people. Um, I think that's one of the, probably one of the biggest things that we issues that we have and and probably just among christians who think especially i know we talked about this last time but among christians who think well i can just go to bible study at a starbucks or or something like that and or i only need some part of the life of the church or i only need something this little aspect of things like no you you have a need of the whole panoply of, of of uh of resources that god has provided to us so
0: that's exactly right yep uh, so, yeah, that's that, that holistic approach that we're talking about. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you think that in the church today we have too much of a cookie cutter approach to these kind of subjects or just to discipleship as a whole?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think overall discipleship is very weak. When discipleship becomes cookie cutter, programmatic, it will only help those people for whom that is designed. that program is designed. And anyone who doesn't quite fit the mold, who needs other resources or those resources presented differently, they're they're, they're just not going to connect with us. So I I think we need to rediscover the uh, gem of discipleship uh, in our local churches, uh, personal, individual, and small group. Obviously, we're also discipling through preaching, Bible study, and all like that. But we also need that mentoring that, that personal, not cookie cutter approach. I, I agree with that.
1: Yeah, I, I think probably the best way and, and, and feel free to chime in here. I think probably the best thing to do to address that is um, is to help people just understand general principles and then help them to understand how to own that. Um, I don't know your, yep. your thought.
0: Uh, absolutely. So we're helping our people. General principles, I think is the right expression generally speaking, general principles about discipleship. And then you tailor that general approach to each individual or each small group that you're uh, discipling. I, I That is key. I, I had the great privilege of being discipled by someone I was at the university. And, and his approach was by no means cookie cutter. But I have not experienced a lot of people like my friend Steve, this is decades ago, Uh, But he had that art of discipleship. He knew how to take those general principles and personalize them. That's what I think we desperately need to recover in our churches.
1: Mm, That's so good. Well, Your book, Embodied, covers a lot of ground in regards to the cultural conversation about body and sexuality. How does our interpretation of our own body image affect our relationship with God?
0: Body image is, whether recognized or not, one of the greatest problems in American society today, right? It's estimated that about 95% of women suffer at some time in their life for longer or shorter periods of time with negative body image. And we would suspect that it's less for men. It's really not. Maybe 90% of men at some time in their life for shorter or longer periods of time will suffer from body image. And this is the, the, the way we, we think cognitively about our body, the way we perceive, the way we see our body, the way we feel uh, about our body, the way we behave toward our body, how we act toward our body, right? If 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 we are not uh, settled with our own embodiment, and we don't like how tall or short or thick or thin or athletic or non-athletic, uh, if we're if we're not settled believing that God has sovereignly designed us. And so we are, as he has designed us, we have, we're in competition with other people. We work out at the gym for five hours a day to try and get the body to be our idol, right? We, we, uh, we think wrongly. We, we, we distance ourselves with other from others because we think that when they look at us, they perceive us, they, they look at us in a manner of, an askance, And, and it's just like, uh, Body image is a huge problem, and a theology of human embodiment I think is a necessary step in helping to have help people to think and see and feel and act toward their body in a god honoring and self honoring way
1: that's that's really, really good. How should Christians respond to the confusing conver- uh, conversation of gender in our culture, specifically the idea that there are more than two genders?
0: Ooh, this is the time, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, in our culture today, uh, there, there's there's the term sex, and there's term the term gender. Sex usually refers to uh, biology, right? So we're either XX or XY. We're either female or male. That's our biological. Uh, physiological hormonal reality, and up to about 1950 or so, sex equaled gender, right? But in about 50, 60 years ago, that started to change. So gender now refers to um, our our own perception of our sex, uh, our perception of whether we're male or female. So we may be XX or XY, but we may perceive ourselves to be of the opposite gender, or we may invent a gender for ourselves. So there's a tremendous amount of confusion, gender dysphoria, gender incongruence. I, being a man, perceive myself to be a woman. That's gender dysphoria, gender incongruence. It's a massive problem, particularly among adolescents, particularly among adolescent girls. They really struggle with this. It's, it's, it's a horrible struggle. And, and, and so there's uh, there's this gender dysphoria, gender confusion, which leads to at times, uh, transgenderism, right? So, so we've got Bruce Jenner, uh, Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner. Apparently, she's going to run for uh, governor of California. I rooted for him uh, during the Olympics when he was doing the decathlon, and now he is a she. That's gender confusion that related uh, that resulted in uh, uh, transgenderism, and it's a huge problem. My point with a the theology of human embodiment is. Uh, We are gendered or sexed all the way down, right? We're either XX or XY. And to quote Timothy Tennant, who's also writing on this, the body always tells the truth. So I being a man, uh, I am gendered as a male all the way down. I may perceive myself as a woman. I may try to transgender, go through sex reassignment, surgery, hormonal treatment and stuff like that. But my body always screams, but you're a male. And so there is a truth of the body that, uh, we, that's indisputable, but it's a massive problem. And I think a theology of human embodiment that God has designed us as gendered, embodied image bearers, it provides the biblical and theological foundation for very tough conversations with people who are wrestling with this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one. I remember I remember um, when I was when I was a, a paraprofessional in Idaho for a number of years one day this student she was uh, he was a boy or no she was a girl came in as a boy yep. and I'm like, wow, that was really the other than the bathroom thing you know that was that was really like the first time I had ever experienced that. Um, and I was like, wow, I just prayed because I can't say anything yeah. in the public school, but I definitely prayed. I prayed for the parents, prayed for the child. And it's so sad, you know? Um, it, it's very sad, particularly adolescents who struggle
0: in lots of different ways during that period of their life. If, um, if people are encouraging them to do uh, sex reassignment, surgery, hormonal treatment and prepubescent uh adolescence uh hormone blockers and all like that uh, it 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 destroys them it destroys their life and what happens when they're 23 and they have deep regrets about what they've done yeah they can do a reversal surgery but i mean they're sterile right they're they're uh they're reverting back to what they've always been there's a lot of guilt and shame there's a lot of blame to, to uh, spread around it's a it's a massive problem and, and the church if it's equipped to love on and show compassion to uh, these who are struggling with
1: it, we have a great gospel ministry in their life. Amen. Amen. The most important embodiment in human history was that of God the Son. How does the incarnation instruct us about our existence as embodied people?
0: Well, first, it, it, it uh, underscores what I began our discussion with, Um, The proper state of human existence is embodiment, right? So Jesus, the eternal son, becomes incarnate. Let's just use for the sake of argument, the word he becomes embodied, right? To show that uh, the Lord is for the body. He came to redeem us as whole people in a fractured world. So he became fully human. That means he took on a human body. It underscores the fact this is exactly how God has designed us to be his embodied image bearers, fallen and now redeemed through the incarnate or embodied Son of God. So it just screams at us your body is right, important, it is valuable, it's the way that God has designed us. Yeah. And it also helps us think through the, the, the fact that he was a particular first century. Jewish male living in a particular context and culture. And that is beautiful. It's important. It's real. And that's also true of us. Each of us is a particular uh, gendered, embodied uh, image bearer. And God has planted us in this world. He's created us and designed us for our particular time, in our particular place and space in this world, uh, to live out the redemption that we find in Jesus, the incarnate Son of God.
1: So good. We, we belong to God. And that's not just partial. That's total. Everything.
0: And, and yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, and, and Right. Right. So so we know we're moving toward death. Uh, all of us will die. And then then we, we enter this really weird period of life called the intermediate state we will be unzipped all the way down. So our bodies will be slept off. We continue, so so Dave Jenkins, uh, immaterial, disembodied, Dave Jenkins lives in the presence of the Lord, but you're not a whole human being, and what, what's the next step after uh, our death and when we're living in the intermediate state? We will be longing for the return of Jesus Christ, at which point we will be embodied once again. We'll be re-embodied now with a resurrection body because the proper state of human existence is embodiment. In this case, re-embodiment. And so again, this just communicates to us our embodiment is exactly how God has designed us and he will redeem us as embodied image bearers through Jesus, the incarnate one. You're so Sorry, awesome. I'm getting a little exciting, Excited. Yeah, I can tell I love it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Love to see you getting a little fired up there. That's that's great. <laughs> preach it, brother, preach it. <laughs> As uh, as image brothers as image bearers, what responsibility do we have in caring for our bodies?
0: We could uh, we could change the, the question. What responsibility do we have in caring for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Well, we we are to care for ourselves, right? Um, and, and so, even Ephesians five talks about we cherish our bodies, we cherish ourselves. So. I, in the book, talk about uh, proper nutrition and regular exercise, sleep, rest, uh, sabbaticals, or regular rhythms of just recharging. Um, I I talk against and and talk about and then provide solutions to the deadly sins of lust, gluttony, and sloth. These These are embodied sins. And so there's part of our sanctification, right, is the sanctification of our body because We are to be sanctified as whole people. So uh, all those things, exercise, nutrition, rest, sleep, um, rhythms of uh, yeah, rest, those are all important things. And then battling against the sins of the body.
1: Yeah, I know for myself, I've had to learn over time being in ministry and writing and editing and all these things that there's a certain point at the end of the day, a certain point of the day where I have to stop. Usually that's for me, especially as I'm, I'm not old, but I'm 40. Um, yep. And I, even in my mid thirties, I, I really started to realize, Hey, am I in my twenties anymore, <laughs> I can't go yep. 15 hours a day. Um, I have to stop at eight hours a day, or maybe I have to stop at six hours a day or, or whatever. Um, and I have to stop around three or four, um, you know, doing whatever I'm doing because, I'm going to get tired and I'm going to get, I'm not going to be able to wind down and I'm not going to be able to get sleep. Just understanding that we have those kind of limitations and being aware of those kind of things is, I think, really, really important, um, especially because we as guys, we can tend to overwork and uh, that is our tendency. Um, and so I think being, thinking about through your, where your limitations are, what, where, when are you tired? You know, obviously if you have a, a nine to five job, you're not going to be able to, to stop like somebody who's self-employed or whatever. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you need to be recognized what your limitations are and, and make allowances for you to relax, have that time built into your life every day. That's made such a big impact on, on my life. And when I don't sleep well, that's usually because I didn't take, a, I didn't practice what I'm preaching. And then when I don't, I've noticed I get headaches. I'm tired. Um, my production really falls off a lot, and uh, it's just not good. I'm grumpy. Um, i have no fun to talk to. So, um, I
0: agree with everything you've just said, and exactly the way you've said it. We, the, the expression, uh, we listen to our bodies. So you're, you're saying pay attention when we're, when we're feeling dr- uh, down, right? When, when we're starting to uh, feel tired, listening to our bodies, listening to our embodiment, right? And then not pushing, but you're right too. We, uh, in our society, we have a particular tendency towards workaholism. So even though in the book, I talk about sloth, I also talk about workaholism, which is kind of the opposite thing. But we have a tendency, yeah, to want to put in 12-hour, 14-hour days. Some people can do it. Most of us can't. You can't. I can't, right? So we need to be thinking about our own limitations. That's another point that you make. And our limitations are not bad, right? If God has created us as particular embodied image bearers, then he has designed us with a certain capacity and limits are not bad they're part of God's creation of us. So I just want to underscore everything that you said in exactly the way that you've said it.
1: Yeah. And obviously that would have a lot of things to say to, you know, pastors and ministry leaders who, oh my goodness, felt, but feel burnt out. And I would just say, Hey, maybe have a friend talk with you through some of these things, if that's you, or even if you're not a pastor or ministry leader you know, talk through that because it's it's real, whether you work in the stock market or you're a lawyer, you're a janitor. I mean, in life, you know, if we were to sit down, you know, one of our listeners was to sit down with us as we did before and talk about what's happening in our lives. Life, life has a way of crushing us. And if we don't take time to, you know, pray and read the Bible and just relax and be, I mean, it can just overwhelm us and, and cause all sorts of you know, health problems and emotional problems, and so.
0: Uh, I hope your listeners are are really tuned in to what you just said. I like the idea of a friend, right, who will say, you know, Dave, I think you're overworking, right, and and I can see you're grumpy, and you know what, you're no fun to talk to anymore, right? <laughs> you complain <laughs> about all these this good stuff, and who can call us on that? That that that's very very important. That's part of the discipleship, isn't it? And then realize, particularly for pastors, burnout is not a blessing, right? Uh, God has designed our lives and also the ministries of pastors to be a marathon, right? We want our pastors to be in it for the long haul, for decades. And if they burn out after three years, or I guess the 10-year now is about seven years, right? If, if they burn out, what right? that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But again, as some pastors, some people in Christian ministry think they've got to be on 24-7, God has not designed us to be on 24-7. And, and if you press really hard for several months or several years, or maybe even a decade or two, you're going to pay the piper sooner or later, right? The the the, the scientific evidence is overwhelming that if you don't rest and live with 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 this sense of wellness you will burn out you will destroy yourself
1: and and, I, and i'll be honest here honesty moments Yep. okay <laughs> here we go <laughs> i i have burnt out three times so okay yep you no know, i i'm not just saying this oh here's some guy you know opining on whatever uh no i i've had to do this um, I was every year when I, we were in Idaho, I would teach a Bible study and I would do a whole bunch of other things on top of service of grace and that was a lot. Um, around May, it would be around this time we would wrap up for the year. And I would feel so exhausted. There was one time even going into, we would start again in August and I was like, I was really concerned because I thought I was gonna I was prepared to go to the pastor, but I said, Lord, if I don't feel refreshed and renewed in um, by, you know, I'm not telling the Lord what to do. I'm just saying, Lord, you know, if I don't feel refreshed by this time, I'm going to have to go to the pastor and I'm going to have to step aside from everything. Well, by, by that time I was refreshed again, but but it, it shocked me that it took three months to get to that place again, where I felt like I can actually do this again and um you know don't go there that's why i'm saying you know take care of yourself take time for you because you're never going to be any you're never going to be able to help anybody if you're not you know really taking care of yourself and something i have to work on myself even is making sure watching how i eat and uh, making sure i exercise and um so i've been playing golf more regularly and um walking not as much as i should But, you know, these are just some things that are really, really important, Um, not just your reading your Bible and those good theology books, but also, you know, the the other side of things.
0: Old people, holistic approach to living for God, holistic sanctification. Absolutely. I'm glad that you were recognized the point where you were going to burn out and collapse and that you then got refreshed. Uh, I, I just think we need to yeah, build into the regular rhythms of life, looking at this as a marathon. And so if we're speeding, right, if we're trying to sprint, we will get destroyed. We will destroy ourselves. And, and that, I don't think, is honoring to the Lord.
1: No, it's not. You know, towards the end of your book, you discuss the worshiping body. How does our physical body relate to worship?
0: So it's interesting to study all of the different physical postures and physical activities in the Old Testament about worship. Things like clapping and shouting and prostrating oneself, right? And lifting up one's hands, dancing, all these kinds of things. And and so my point is, if God has created us as uh, his embodied image bearers, and if he is redeeming us as embodied image bearers, then our worship, and here I'm really focusing on corporate worship, when we gather together, right, our worship of the Lord, our praise, our thanksgiving, our lament, uh, our praying, all like this, uh, yes, that's taking place in our heart, right, in our core, but it should be reflected in our um, bodily Posture and our physical activities. So I know there are a lot of generational and cu- cultural um, realities, but uh, raising one hand, one's hand, um, you know, uh, clapping, uh, expressing ourselves bodily, I think is very, very important uh, in worship. If we follow the example of worship in Scripture, uh, we should be engaged in whole-body worship. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of the big idea of, of that.
1: Yeah, that's really good, brother. Um, where can people go to find out more about you, you know, either on social media or otherwise?
0: I'm on Facebook,
1: and, and that's all.
0: <laughs> I, I'm so, not on, on on other things. Yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah. You're so social media savvy, brother. Oh uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> it, it, has, it has something to do with my age, and it's something to do with uh, what we just talked about—trying to gain uh, control over my life. Uh, too many other things to do. So, uh, really, I'm just on, on Facebook, and then obviously the book is on Amazon, or it's published by Baker and things
1: like that. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. That's great. I understand. <laughs> I understand. There's a lot that we haven't covered in the course of this uh, interview, brother. Uh, just as we wrap up, do you have any takeaways for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I, I we mentioned in a little bit that this idea of community. So when, when, when I talk about embodiment, I talk about the fact that we're created, that's God's design. I talk about the fact that we're gendered, we're male or female. I talk about the fact that we're particular, we're We're particular people with particular ethnicity or race, family, kinship, space, time, culture, context, stuff like that. But what I would really want to focus here on the end is God has also created us uh, to be social beings. So I talk about sociality or the social body that God has wired us with this uh, desire to give ourselves to others and receive from others for fellowship, bonding, friendship and this is true of all human beings, but I think we can do it properly and purely in the church when we really do, um, love one another and care for one another and do the one another's right. Um, uh, as embodied people. And so God has designed us for community, for fellowship, for bonding. And so let's, as embodied people, embrace that call, um, be, be, uh, Redeemed image bearers who love one another, serve one another, care for one another, pray for one another in the context of a church. And, and I think that emphasizes the fact this is the way God has designed his embodied image bearers whom he's redeeming.
1: Mm, so good, brother. So good. Well, guys, we've been talking today with Dr. Greg Allison about his new book, Embodied Living as Whole People in a Fractured World. I encourage you to pick up the book and to get uh, copies for your friends and for your pastor and elders uh, to read and work through. Greg, thank you so much for your time today, brother, and for your friendship, God bless you.
0: Thanks, Dave, always a pleasure. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app,